This is a story of a soldier on a mission. His mission was to gather intelligence on an enemy Nazi officer who took over a village, terrorizing them for all of his own financial gain. There were lives lost and land lost, hearts broken, and the sounds of war that made hope seem as if it would never return to this little village again. We meet our main character, whose undercover name is Alfonso, as he moved from his position in the snowy hills of this little Italian village, down a path to the warmth of the Carasio Inn. Although he was writing information about his mission, he would soon find out he'd be writing for other reasons as well. It was nearing dinner time. The snow and rain were getting worse as another guard came to the foxhole, giving our soldier time to rest and get a little closer to his mission, a little closer to the colonel. It was a cold winter in 1944 and I was positioned in the snow-covered hills of Italy, passing along information to command about what I was seeing in the village below where a known enemy official was seen on several occasions. I learned to speak Italian in college back in 34 and never thought I'd be using my love for the language this way. I remember that it was a particularly cold night and I decided to go into cover and find some shelter from the coming storm until it was time to be picked up by my contact getting me back to home base. What happened that night? Well, it changed my life forever. When I came down the hill and slid a bit on the ice-covered cobblestone streets, I could smell one of the most incredible things I'd ever smelled coming from a little inn right down the street from the local pub I'd been watching for that official at. I decided that with that smell and how cold it was that night, this was the night I would go undercover all the way. In my Italian, well, it was going to be put fully to the test. I walked up to the inn. It looked similar to some of the inns I'd seen in London. It was a quaint little place made of stone and wood. It looks to have been there for quite some time as the village began to grow around it, well, until the war started. I could see painted just on the side of the inn a saying that said, Le appetito bien magnado, which means the appetite comes while you're eating. Then I saw it as I was walking in the door. A customer was sitting at a table with a hot and fresh bowl of ribolleta. This would be incredible on a cold and snowy night like this. The warm bread and the broth of the soup with the rare and fresh vegetables from the market right next door. Ah, oh, I was ready. And just as I was drooling over what I saw and smelled, I thought I heard something and then I realized I did. It was a small, soft voice. And then I heard it again. Signore, posso orate? Which means, sir, may I help you? When I turned around, I thought what I just saw on the table was the best thing I saw all day. <laughs> Until I saw her. She told me her name was Sofia Caracio. That was interesting to me since the name outside said it was called the Caracio Inn. Now she seated me in a little table by the front window, just overlooking the town square, now covered in snow with the local statue of its founder looking like he was wearing a, a coat of white. The fire was warm and so welcoming. It was just to my left. I was so glad. My feet felt like bricks of ice we used to use back home to keep our food cold in the ice box. She smiled and asked me if I'd like a coffee while I decided what I wanted. While I quickly blurted out, Ribu, I caught myself before I could finish the word, realizing I could have been a little more civilized in my request. And Sophia, well, she started to laugh, which made me do the same. <laughs> she was beautiful, 
Her hair was up in a small bun and had on a beautiful light blue linen dress with white lace ruffles just around her neck, enough to see a unique necklace wrapped around her throat, complimenting her eyes that seemed to look right through me. She told me she'd be right back, and I quickly said, That's a nice necklace you have there. She paused and turned her head just slightly to the side and chuckled while she said, You like to talk fast, don't you, sir? I told her my name wasn't sir. It was Alfonso. That was my cover name. And that I would work on slowing down a bit just when you come back to see me again. And she turned to go back to the kitchen, and she said, Grazie, super uomo. Which meant, Thank you, soup man. Lovely. Well, yes, she was. It was a symphony of smells in there. Was it the fresh bread I was smelling, or perhaps the pasta and sauce, or maybe even my soup? It was nice to be in out of the cold, and I couldn't imagine going back to my post later and freezing out there all night, watching for the colonel from my foxhole in the snow up there on the hillside. Sophia quickly returned with a little white coffee cup and a silver pot in her hand, and she said, Here's your coffee to warm you up by the fire while you wait for your lovely Zuba. <laughs> and we both laughed. I asked her if her name was the same name as outside on the sign, and she quickly replied, asking why I wanted to know. I, I told her no reason in particular. I just thought it was interesting that they are the same, and I wondered if this was your end, and if you're the one responsible for all this incredible smells that I've been smelling. She blushed, and as she looked to the cup where she was pouring my coffee, she said, What you smell is the cooking of my mother, and this is our family business. My father's on the other side at the front desk taking care of our customers staying at the inn. Just as she said that, the door swung open as an unwelcome snow blew in, and with it, something that startled me. It was the colonel. Sophia's father quickly ran to the door to help him, saying, Please, Colonel, your table waits. And then he shut the door right behind him. I turned to look at Sophia. She was gone. I could hear the father stumbling on his words nervously as he began to bring the colonel to a table by the fireplace to keep him warm. Not only was I seeing who I had been looking for, it's quite possible he'd see me. We'd never met. However, no one in the little village had seen me before, and I was concerned. I might be found out. The colonel was seated and almost catching a glimpse of me as he sat in his chair facing the fire and his back to me. I could catch a glimpse of Sophia looking out of the kitchen pass through, and just about that time, I heard the colonel say in a loud voice, Sophia, Sophia. The kitchen door opened and she went to his table when he started talking to her and said, bring me my usual and make it quick. I have a business this evening. Oh, and Sophia? I'm glad to see you're wearing the necklace. You may not be as stubborn as your father. Sophia quickly looked up and our eyes connected. I could see them glimmering in the light. Not because, not because they were the most beautiful eyes I'd ever seen. She was holding back tears. She turned and she went back to the kitchen. In just a few moments, another person came from the kitchen, an older woman with an apron on, and she brought me some bread and told me she'd have my meal out shortly. I said, excuse me, ma'am, where's Sophia? She began to nervously look around and said she was in the back preparing a meal for a customer. I asked her if everything was all right, and she said, things are fine, sir. Rest, eat, and your meal will be here shortly. And please, sir, you may be passing through. Then she leaned in towards me, grabbing a napkin as if to place it around my neck before the meal, and whispered in my ear, please, don't concern yourself. It's safer for you if you don't. 
and save her from my Sophia. Then she turned to go back to the kitchen, saying, It'll be here shortly, sir. Walking past the colonel, he grabbed her lower part of the apron just before she passed, enough to stop her and said, Send me my food and send out Sophia. I wondered what was happening. It was no mystery that the colonel was harassing the local merchants in his effort to gain property in the area. Just then, Sophia returned to his table, carefully and softly placing each plate of food in front of him and then filling his cup. As she was preparing to turn my direction, I could hear him say, Don't forget, Sophia. You and your family can have much nicer lives and live them well by accepting my offer. Or you can find out what happens if you don't. I'm sure you can remember. Can't you, Sophia? Yes, Colonel, we understand, she said firmly yet softly. And he said, bring me more bread, beautiful. Her cheeks turned red as she lowered her head, saying, yes, Colonel, headed back to the kitchen. Just before getting to the kitchen door, she stopped. She turned, and she began walking back my direction, right past the Colonel to me, and apologized for not having my food out yet, but that it was ready, and she would be bringing it in a moment. Her voice cracked a bit as she spoke, and I could see that her eyes began to water, and I asked her if everything was okay. And she said, Alfonso, it's best to enjoy the fire and your meal. We're fine. She turned and went back to the kitchen. I wasn't cold any longer. My blood was boiling. I was sitting next to this, this villain I was watching for, trying to get intel back to home base. But tonight, something was different. And that something was Sophia. Suddenly, another man entered with much less fanfare. He was a large man in a long black wool coat. He took off his gloves and hat and handed them to Sophia's father, who pointed in my direction. As he walked in, I was concerned I'd been discovered. He walked toward my table, and just when he got close, the kitchen door opened, and Sophia came out with my soup, while the man grabbed a chair right at my table and said, You don't need this, do you? No, sir, I said to him, and he took the chair to the table next to me and sat with the colonel. What was I seeing tonight? Sophia said, here's your meal, Alfonso. And I said, wow, this smells incredible. And it's almost the most beautiful thing I've seen all night. She paused and she said, almost? I smiled as I winked with one eye, whispered, and I said, well, there's the innkeeper's daughter. She turned as red as the local market radishes. She smiled at me and turned to go back to the kitchen. And the colonel said, Sophia, bring him food too but bring it to the private room for our meeting. She nodded and disappeared again before the old white door there at the kitchen. I heard the colonel tell his company that everything was about complete and plans should be good to start at the end of the month. They both laughed, stood up, and made their way to the private room around the corner. Sophia came back out after they were out of sight and said, Alfonso, it's late. You should go to your home or wherever you're staying. We're closing soon, and it will be much warmer and safer elsewhere. I thought about the private meeting around the corner, and if I could just listen a little bit, this could be the information we'd been waiting to get back at base. Then I thought and said to Sophia, Sophia, I have to travel tomorrow, and I have nowhere to stay this evening. Is it possible your father has a room? A room, she said. And I said with a little chuckle, well, this still isn't in, isn't it? 
She shook her head as if to shake something off and said, Yes, uh, yes, it is, as she chuckled as well, saying, Are you sure you want to stay here tonight, Alfonso? The weather will get worse shortly, and you might beat the storm if you leave tonight. I said, No, I'm too tired, and I'd like to stay, and if I can, at which she said, Won't your wife be worried? I looked up to the ceiling and then looked back at her, and I said, I'm not sure, uh, but whenever I meet her, I'll let you know. I just hope she's as nice as you. This time, her face looked as red as an entire field of those red radishes from the market, and she said, Alfonso, you're so kind. I'll speak with my father now. Eat your zuppa. And she smiled and walked towards the front desk. I could hear the men talking in the other room, enough to hear they were talking about burning a building to make an example. I had to hear more. I had to get closer. I got up from my table and walked towards the private room to see if I could hear better as I was getting closer. The door swung open, and it was the colonel, and just about as he was to see me, Sophia turned and said, Colonel, Colonel. He turned and looked her direction and said, What, Sophia, speak now. I'm busy. And she stumbled upon the words as she said, What would you, would you like special dessert with coffee tonight brought to your meeting? He paused looked to the floor as I thought he was about to look my way, and he said, That sounds good, Sophia. We're ready now. Right away, Colonel, she said, as she talked to him. I was able to get back to my seat with the distraction Sophia gave just at the right moment. Before going to the kitchen, she stopped by my table and said, Alfonso, I don't know who you are or what you're doing here tonight, but please be careful. He's a dangerous man, and I would not want to see anything happen to Zupawomo. We both laughed and quickly covered our mouths as not to draw attention to ourselves. She told me they had a room for me, and it would be good to get to it soon before the colonel comes out, so I can get my rest for the evening. I asked Sophia, what's that necklace around your neck? Her face changed as she clasped the necklace, and she told me this was my grandmother's, and I always wear it to remember her. Remember, I said. Yes, she said as she held back their tears. She died last summer. I'm so sorry to hear that, Sophia. You must have loved her greatly. Yes, she said. She started this in with my grandfather and my father when he was young. The colonel was trying to get her to sell him the property, and she always refused, and the colonel came in one day as you saw him this evening. However, my grandmother was near the door and she tripped over a chair when she was startled. The colonel came to her as she was on the floor, and she asked him to help her up. He grabbed her by the collar of her dress, and he pulled her up, and the necklace broke off and fell to the ground, and he tossed her towards a chair where she landed, and he said, if you don't sell, this won't go well. Then he turned and he left. We ran to grandmother to help her to help her get to her bed. However, we didn't know at the moment. We found later that grandmother hurt something inside when she fell. The morning after all this happened with the colonel, she grew very ill. The village doctor was unsure what was causing the illness and put her on bed rest. Within two days, we lost grandmother. I couldn't believe what I was hearing. I hated the colonel even more now. I had to hear what he was up to, but I wanted to talk more to Sophia, and I was so moved by her heart, her family, and her beauty. Her father came just then and said, Mr. Alfonso, I've prepared your room. Will you please follow me, and I'll take you there. And then he said, Sophia, 
Go get the colonel's desserts and go take them to their meeting. Yes, father. Good evening, Mr. Alfonso. I hope to see you in the morning. We have the best breakfast in town. I quickly replied, I can't wait. <laughs> As she walked away, her father took me to this beautifully prepared room with a nice soft bed, warm cotton sheets, and a small fire burning in the fireplace of the room. He said, sleep well, sir, and it's best to stay in the room. A storm's coming, and it's going to get cold. I thanked him, and I locked the door before I laid down in that incredible bed that beat any snowy hillside in the village. I woke up the next morning, and after freshening up, I went downstairs to get the best breakfast in town, and of course, to see Sophia. I saw her father, who looked a bit strange, and he said under his breath, Your table's ready, sir. Please make yourself comfortable. So I went to the table. I could hear noise in the kitchen of pots and pans and the smell of eggs and sausage, and just then I could hear the door about to open, and it did, and my heart skipped a beat as I couldn't wait to see Sophia again and talk more. The door finally opened, and there she was, Sophia's mother. She had a tray, and she looked horribly sad. When she came to my table and brought me the breakfast plate of the day, I asked her where Sophia was. She looked at me and began to cry. And she said Sophia wasn't there. Not here. She was just here last night, I said. Just then, Sophia's father rushed towards the table and said, Sir, please, eat your breakfast and be on your way. Senora Carosio, your daughter is not here. I asked him, where is she? Where does Sophia go? Sophia's mother quickly went back to the kitchen. And her father said, Sir, it's best you just be on your way. I asked again and said, but sir, I enjoyed talking with your daughter and I was concerned when I saw the colonel here and the way he was talking to her. Yes, he's not someone we want around, but we have no choice. And sir, we sent Sophia away to hide with family in Florence. Florence, I said. What he didn't know is that I knew that a bombing operation was about to happen as the Nazis were occupying the town and we had intel on the exact location of their headquarters. I, I couldn't believe it. It, it told him, I told him, Sir, can you tell me where she went? He said, No, sir, I cannot. She is my daughter and all we have left. For her protection and our family, we're going to keep her as safe as we can. Are you done with your breakfast, sir? I shook my head a bit and I said, Yes, I, I, I need to pay my bill. And Senor Carosio quickly said, You owe us nothing. Take care of yourself. Be safe and stay warm. Good day, sir. I quickly made my way back to base and reported the things I'd seen and heard from the colonel. My heart broke as I heard of the bombing that took place in Florence. I was able to get there a couple of days later on a supply truck I hopped on, one we had going into that area to help people on the recovery mission. When I got there in town, I began asking around for Sophia, and no one knew who she was or the family in town. When I got to the last place we were taking supplies to at a medic station, I found a local and asked if they had seen or heard of her. And just as I was asking, I heard a nurse say to me, Who did you ask for? I told her again, Sofia Carosio. And I couldn't really be sure what she was feeling since she'd already looked so sad from what had been happening in the area. And then the nurse asked me if I knew her. I said I knew her family back in a small village. She said, wait one moment, sir. 
I did. And as she said, it felt like it took forever. She returned with a little envelope and she handed it to me. I opened it and there it was. Sophia's necklace. The nurse looked at me and said, I'm so sorry, sir. Please tell the family we're sorry. When everything started happening, the Nazis began killing everyone, and unfortunately, Sophia and her family, they didn't escape their guns. I was crushed. I didn't know what to do. I was paralyzed as I thought about the one who was an almost love. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's special podcast and my short story called An Almost Love. Relationships are valuable. Later this week in the God's Got This blog, I'm going to continue our theme that will be coming from today's story you just heard. It is also a story of love and sometimes an almost love. So before I let you go today, I, I do want you to know that we'd love to pray with you and help you meet the best love of my life and hopefully yours named Jesus Christ. Feel free to reach out to us here at community at godsgotthis.love or reach out through our social media and message us and we'd love to chat with you. My friend, there is hope. And even like some of the people from the village in our story today, they all wanted and needed a hope in their life. So no matter what you're facing, things always seem different when you have someone to face it with. I hope today spoke to your heart and that you remember how valuable relationship is and can be. There is hope. Even when you have doubt, there's hope. So one last thing before we go today, I want to share a great scripture with you from the Bible. And remember, as Paul said to us, from God's heart in Philippians 4, 6-9, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all He's done. Then, you'll experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice all you've learned and received from me. Everything you heard from me and saw me doing, then the God of peace will be with you. And that, he surely will, my friends. The choice is yours. I don't think, I know you're something big and awfully incredible for someone to love. We just read it and we've heard some things about it through God's word and through a little story that I wrote to share with you. So the rest of the week, we're gonna have some fun with it. And I'd like to share a few things with you. So I hope that you'll tune in and read later on this week as well. So through this time and the next few days as they go by, don't give in. Don't give up. There is hope. Friends, never forget. God's got this. <laughs>